I love history. I love to know about the backstories of people and places. If I'm out on the road sometime and I see a sign that looks like this, man, I want to pull off the road and I want to read all about it. I want to know what happened here. Anybody else like me? Nope, just me. That's okay. That's just the way I am. I just understand that underneath it all, there is so much more. Think about it this way. Anybody recognize this city in this picture? What is that city? Anybody? Anybody? New York City. Y'all got to get out more. This is, listen, one of the most spectacular, recognizable skylines in the world. And it is, it is quite simply inspiring when you see it. It's beautiful. I didn't realize how much so until I went there. But what you need to understand is that's just the surface. Right? That's, that's just the surface, what's on top. Underneath, beneath this city, there is an elaborate tunnel system of 722 miles of subway tracks. I mean, think about that. that that's like almost from, from here to Orlando. There are 98, There is a 98,000-mile labyrinth of utility cables underneath that city. There is uh, 6,000 miles of river sewers that are moving 1.3 billion gallons of wastewater every single day. And all of that is completely hidden under the surface. All of that is just out of sight. But listen, how important is all of that for how that city functions? You see, underneath it all, there is so much more. That's the theme this Easter of this series that we are in. Listen, Easter is coming. It's going to be here soon, March 31st. It comes early this year, and yes, that's spring break, but let me tell you, you don't want to miss Easter weekend. You want to make your plans to be here. I would tell you, you need to change your plans so that you are here because God is up to something, and you want to be a part of it all. Our series is called On This Very Spot, and we began last week with God's promise to one man, one couple, if you will, one family, one people, through whom God was going to bless all the people of the earth, every man, woman, and child. You might remember that God said to Abraham, go to the land that I will show you. And then again in Genesis 22, decades later, God finally reveals that spot when he says to him, take your son, your only son, Yes, Isaac, whom you love so much, and go to the land of Moriah, to one of the mountains that I will show you. You see, God was working his plan underneath it all. And that spot, that place where God was leading Abraham, it was a place of blessing. 
In fact, as you follow the story of the Abraham tribe, anytime he or the family leaves that place of blessing, they run into all kinds of trouble. And anytime they move back to that place of blessing, it's like just God's blessing flows in their life. Like when you fast forward and you come to the Joseph story. Remember him? He is Abraham's great-grandson, and he's sold into slavery by his brothers. They take him into Egypt. And then by the end of Joseph's story, Jacob, Joseph's daddy, and all the rest of the family, they actually end up in Egypt. They left the place that God had showed to Abraham, and Joseph literally saves the entire family in Egypt, right? What could be wrong with that? Well, when you fast forward 400 years, that one family has grown into one nation, but they're a nation of slaves. They're not living in blessing. Their life is nothing but trouble. And that's where we are today. So like last week, our story does not begin at that place of spiritual geography that God revealed to Abraham. But like last week, we are going to go on a journey that moves us to that place. We are making our way to that hill far away. So today, let me invite you to open your Bibles to Exodus chapter 12. Exodus chapter 12. And this is just one of the scriptures that we're going to be looking at today. Literally, we are going from Exodus chapter 12 through the book of Revelation. And so you'll want to kind of hang on to that. And what we're going to be doing is we're drilling down on this thing called Passover. Passover. Uh, now listen, I, I don't want you to check out just because it's like one of those road signs that nobody else apparently wants to stop and see what's, what happened there. But let me tell you, this, this is so important because it's, it's talking to us about what's underneath all of this journey that we are on. And by the way, if we've not yet met, my name's Kevin. I'm one of the pastors here. We're absolutely thrilled that you are here. And if we have not yet exchanged names, I would love it if you'd meet me in the commons after the service so I can get to know your name. One of the things we ask everybody to do every week is to be sure and fill out your digital connect card. Easiest way to do that, scan that QR code on the listening guide that you were handed. That'll take you to our program. There's a link there to the digital connect card, and that's how you can share prayer requests that you have that we want to be praying with you about. Now listen, at the end of the sermon today, we're going to be observing the Lord's Supper. And so when you came in, you may have seen and picked up um, these elements that are um, available to you to participate in the Lord's Supper. So if you didn't happen to pick those up, um, you can raise your hand and somebody will get it to you. Or you can just slip out and get to the back and then there'll be an opportunity a little later as well. But we want you to be able to participate. Now, before we get to Exodus chapter 12, I want to set the context. Like I said, God's people, Abraham, uh, they're slaves in Egypt. And listen, it was absolutely horrific. You can read about it later on your own. But Pharaoh was killing babies. They were literally trying to work people to death. But about that time... On the backside of a wilderness desert, God began to work. And God met a shepherd 
on the backside of that desert named Moses. And I want you to listen to what God said to that shepherd. God said this in Exodus 3. Then the Lord told him, I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I have heard their cries of distress because of their harsh slave drivers. Yes, I am aware of their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and lead them out of Egypt into their own fertile and spacious land. It is a land flowing with milk and honey. I hope that sounds familiar to you. Where God says that he sees, he hears, he knows, he's coming down. If you were paying attention, that's very similar to the same thing from Abraham's story last week. The God who sees and the God who shows up at just the right time. I wonder about your story. Is he a God who sees where you are? Is he the God who knows and hears the struggles that you have and he shows up at just the right time? Well, here's the twist that I want you to see today. When you and I need rescue, God not only shows up to deliver us, but he throws a party for us. Now, that may just seem like it's strange, but that's what we're going to look at. He has this feast that he declares for his people in the midst of the great crisis they are in, and this feast is under it all, and it is called Passover. Now, the story begins this way in Exodus chapter 12, beginning with verse 1, and it says this, While the Israelites were still in the land of Egypt, the Lord gave the following instructions to Moses and Aaron. From now on, this month will be the first month of the year for you. Announce to the whole community of Israel that on the 10th day of this month, each family must choose a lamb or a young goat for sacrifice, one animal for each household. Now, let me tell you, you may not see it right now, but this is kind of crazy because this, this beginning of this feast, this Passover, this festival that God is initiating, you need to understand that it comes at the climax of this magnificent war that is going on between God and Egypt. Listen, there has been this massive conflict in which God took on every single God, that's little g God, because there's only one true God, he took on every little g God of the nation of Egypt. Egypt. They had 10 different gods that they worshiped, and every one of those 10 catastrophic gods was the target in every one of those tragic plagues that they experience and the big finale is set God is going to directly attack Pharaoh himself because they believe that Pharaoh was the primary God of Egypt they believe that Pharaoh and his son they were the supreme gods 
And the final conflict went down this way just a few verses before where we began reading. If you look back in chapter 11, beginning with verse 4, it says this, Moses had announced to Pharaoh, this is what the Lord says. At midnight tonight, I will pass through the heart of Egypt. All the firstborn sons will die in every family in Egypt, from the oldest son of Pharaoh who sits on his throne to the oldest son of his lowliest servant girl who grinds the flour. Even the firstborn of all the livestock will die, and then a loud wail will rise throughout the land of Egypt, a wail like no one has heard before or will ever hear again. I tell you, it was war. God had declared war on Egypt. It's like a showdown. And so on that great and terrible night God declares to his people you know what we really need we need a party here we need a feast we need a celebration and I tell you it sounds so strange but listen you need to understand what God is doing here you see through this feast God invites his people not just a way out but he invites them to a way in you see, the word exodus, it literally means exit. It means to go out, and, and that's what the people needed. Even God's selection of Moses is absolutely perfect. Do you know that the name Moses means to draw out? And so it's this picture that he's the guy who's going to draw them out. That's what they wanted. They wanted out of Egypt, and wouldn't you as well? I mean, they wanted out of slavery. They wanted out of pain. They wanted out of their broken world. And we would too. Listen, have you ever found yourself in one of those places where you begin to think in your mind, man, I just want out. But let me tell you, God knew. God knew that they needed more than just a way out. And God knows that we need more than just a way out. And this feast was God's way of reminding them that he was doing so much more than just getting them out. He was taking them on a journey. Hear what he says about this feast. A few verses later where we were reading in Exodus chapter 12, verse 14, God says this, This is a day to remember. Each year from generation to generation, you will celebrate it as a special feast to the Lord, this is a law for all time. Do you see this feast? It wasn't just for that one night. This feast was literally for all of time, even to this very day. This, this feast had meaning even for us where we are now. God was doing more than an exit plan. God was laying a foundation, and this feast was pointing towards where God was taking them it points towards even where God is taking you and me and for them you see where they were going to in that call that God gave to Moses back in Exodus 3 verse 8 God said this I have come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and to lead them out of Egypt into their own and fertile and spacious land it is a land flowing with milk and honey 
You see, he's taking them back to the very spot that he had taken Abraham. And here's the point that I don't want you to miss. You need to understand that God doesn't just want to take you out of your mess. He wants to take you into blessing. Do you hear me? God doesn't just want to take you out of your mess. He wants to take you into your blessing. Are you in a mess right now at some facet of your life? Listen, God sees, God hears, God knows, God comes, and God provides. He wants to work in the midst of the mess. Is your marriage a mess? Listen, God knows the way out of the mess, and he knows the way into blessing. Is your job a mess? Listen, God knows the way to get you to the blessing. Is your health a mess? God's truth for us is that there is a life of blessing that he has for you. Is your life a wreck? Listen, let me ask you, are you hungry? Are you ready? Are you eager for the blessing? The way into the blessing is out of the mess. And let me tell you, the truth is, that would be enough. But if I stop right here, that's just way too short of a sermon, so I'm going to bless you with even more because God was doing more. You see, through this feast... God invites his people not just to a way in, but a way together. Listen, I, I think it'd be easy to get the wrong idea about this journey, that it's just God moving somebody from point A to point B, getting them back to that place, that space of promise. But there is so much more here. In fact, look at what he says in verse 4 very early in his instructions about this Passover in verse 4 he says this now if a family is too small to eat the whole animal talking about the sacrificed lamb let them share with another family in the neighborhood divide the animal according to the size of each family and how much they can eat that seems pretty insignificant right but here is the thing about finding yourself in a mess in life where you're wrestling with pain and hurt the first thing it does is it pulls us away from others when you find yourself in a mess you watch and see if the first thing that happens isn't that you isolate yourself and in our isolation, what we do is we become self-focused and self-consumed and self-obsessed, and we can even begin to come to the place where we think in our life, I don't need anybody but me, myself, and mine. We isolate. But I want you to notice that God's doing something bigger. Even in the midst of the mess and the way out, in order to get to the end that he is taking them to, this is actually the very beginning at which God begins the redefinition of family for people of faith. It is not simply the people that you are born into. He is building community. And so he said to them, so if you have, for example, a small family, or let's make it even really small. Let's say that you are a single adult slave in Egypt. He says, what I'm going to do first of all is I'm going to place you in community because he wants them to experience family 
together. And not only that, when you come to Exodus chapter 12, verse 38, a little later in the chapter, when they're actually making their way out of Egypt, there's this interesting little phrase that's in there where it says in verse 38, a rabble of non-Israelites went with them. What? I thought God was just getting his people out. A rabble of of non-israelites what in the world is that listen this is the only place in all of the bible that word shows up and the idea behind it a rabble is a disorderly rowdy greedy noisy gang of misfits and they went with them wait why why would god do that because let me tell you everybody needs a way out of the mess and you remember The promise that God gave Abraham from the very beginning was that he would be a blessing for all people. That means for every man, woman, and child, and even the rabble. He invites them, y'all come and go with the family as I'm taking them to a place of promise. Listen, do you think God still does that? Let me tell you, that's what the church is. Even here in this church, Even those of you that are sitting in this room right now and you are not yet a believer. And this sounds like some kind of ancient old fable and it just kind of rocks your mind that people still listen to this kind of stuff. You're not sure that you even want to give up the mess that you're in because let's just be honest, we all love our messes that we create. But you need to know you are welcome on this journey with us and God makes room for you just like he made room for them and this is the point that I don't want you to miss God doesn't just want to take you out of your isolation he takes you into family he puts you and me in community and this Passover thing listen it it was a family thing it was a family feast and we all long for family So look at what God's doing. God extends to you and me not only a way out, but a way in. God extends to us not only a way in, but a way together. And then look at this. Through this feast, God invites his people to not just a way together, but a way to be changed. A way to be changed. This whole feast circles around this idea of a sacrifice of a lamb. Does that sound familiar to you? I mean, just last week, right? There was the sacrifice of the lamb. Give it at just the right time, at just the right place, to make just the right substitute. But here's the thing about sacrifice. It is so foreign to us. We don't understand it. We've never seen it. We don't ever want to see it, right? I mean, it's kind of beyond us. So that requires that we we just got to look a little more closely to figure out what what it is that God's trying to teach us here. Like in Exodus chapter 12, verse 3, we read this a moment ago. It said, Announce to the whole community of Israel that on the 10th day of the month, each family must choose a lamb for sacrifice. You got to go to the pen and pick the little lamb that you were going to sacrifice. And then if you read on in in verse 6, it says this, take special care of this chosen lamb until the evening of the 14th day, then slaughter the lamb. So you pick your lamb on day 10. 
and then you slaughter, sacrifice the lamb on day 14. Why in the world do you have a four-day delay? I'll tell you why. Yeah. You already got it. For four days, you bring this little lamb into your home. For four days, you feed this little lamb. For four days, your kids play with this little lamb. For four days, this little lamb follows you everywhere you go. And they write songs about you. Mary had a little lamb. And then, day 14 comes. And let me tell you, most of the sacrifices that you read about in the, in the Old Testament, the priest was required to kill the sacrifice. But not for this feast. You are required to slay the lamb by your own hand. And you see, the point is, you feel it. I mean, you feel it right now just looking at a picture. But if you brought this creature into your home, you would feel it. And the reason for this isn't that God was just going to get them out of slavery. There was something bigger happening here. God was getting them out of sin. And the blood of the slain lamb reminded them that in order to be redeemed out of your sin, it comes at a high price. That blood represented both the forgiveness of sin and the gift of life. In fact, there at Mount Sinai in Leviticus chapter 17, verse 11, this is what the Lord said, For the life of the body is in its blood. I have given you the blood on the altar to purify you making you right with the Lord. It is the blood given in exchange for a life that makes purification possible. Do you understand the truth here? You see, you need to understand that God doesn't just kind of wipe the slate clean like you would wipe a dry erase board when he forgives you. What he does is he buys you back at great personal cost through his chosen lamb who is slain for you. First Peter put it this way, for you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life that you inherited from your ancestors. And it was not paid with mere gold or silver, which lose their value. It was the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. That's the price that God paid to set you free, not just from your mess, but from your sin. And what that means is, friends, you need to get attached to Jesus. You need to invite him in. You need to spend time with 
him. You need to fall in love with him. And then when you see him slain, it changes everything. And here's the point you don't want to miss. God doesn't want to just rescue you from sin and death. He gives you new life. That's what he's doing for you. And one last thing. Through this feast, God invited his people to not just a way to be changed, but he invited them home, a way home. In Exodus 12, you have this feast, and it's very clearly, it's a family affair, is it? Not families coming together, gathering. But you know, by the time Moses gets them to the promised land, by the time they have observed this feast, this Passover, for 40 years, there's a change that takes place. And when they are camped right there at the land of promise, getting ready to go into the promised land again, there is an important shift that takes place in how they observe the Lord's or how they observe the Passover. Deuteronomy chapter 16, verses 5 and 6 says this. You may not sacrifice the Passover in just any of the towns that the Lord your God is giving you. You must offer it only at the designated place of worship, the place the Lord your God chooses for his name to be offered. Sacrifice it there. I know we're only two weeks in, but let me ask you, where do you think that designated place is? Where do you think is the place that God has chosen for his name to be honored? It is the exact same place where last week we watched where Abraham stood and sacrificed his lamb on the very same spot. And by the way, it's also the very same spot that there was this little boy who grew up every year traveling with his mom and dad to Jerusalem to see a lamb that was slain. And that little boy was named Jesus, and his mother was Mary, and his father was Joseph. And Luke 2:41 says, And every year Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the Passover festival. And not only that, it's also the very same place where years later, that same little Jesus, who's now grown up, and it was redefined family, which now includes him as rabbi and his disciples and even some rabble, and he sat down with them at a table, and then he spoke these words in Luke 22. When the time came, Jesus and the apostles sat down together at the table. And Jesus said, I have been very eager to eat this Passover meal with you before my suffering begins. For I tell you now that I won't eat this meal again until its meaning is fulfilled in the kingdom of, of God. He sits down with them. 
he actually sits down with you at his table and he invites you home and when he says I'm not going to eat this again until essentially he's giving us the promise that in the kingdom of heaven there is more to come do you see this feast is, is underneath it all and today we want to invite you to his table listen I'm going to invite our band to come back to the stage and as they do let me just remind you he invites you out of the mess and he invites you into the blessing he invites you into a new family a family of faith he invites you to lay your hands on him to own him as your sacrifice and he invites you home because this meal well it's just a preview of what is to come Listen, years ago when we lived in Arkansas, there was a sweet lady in our church that was named Mrs. Catherine Melton. She redefined family for us in Arkansas, and she became like an Arkansas grandmother to our girls, and she was a dear, dear friend. And I remember any time that I would show up at Miss Catherine's house, she was a treasure. She would come to the door every time, and she would say the same thing. She'd throw that door open, and she would say in the loudest voice, Get in this house! She was just delighted to see you. My, what I'd give to hear her say that one more time. And then not long after you came through the door, her next words were, you just sit yourself down right here and let me get you something to eat. Listen, I sort of think that's what heaven's going to be like. Listen to what it says in Revelation 19.9. And the angel said to me, write this. Blessed are those who are invited to the feast of the Lamb. These are the true words that come from God. Today we celebrate what God has done. On this very spot, He invites us to gather around the wedding feast of the Lamb. Now listen, the Bible tells us very clearly that when we take this supper, we are to examine ourselves first. And no wonder when you consider all that God has done for us, when you consider all that He has done to bring us to this moment in His presence. And listen, I've asked Pastor Justin to lead us through the Lord's Supper today. And let me ask you again, if you don't have elements, all you have to do is raise your hand. There are people who will get them to you right now, but we want to invite you to His table. So examine yourself. On that night that Jesus sat down with his disciples, he was celebrating Passover. That's what, that's what they came there for. But more than that, he was transforming Passover into something completely new. On that, in that moment, on that night, he took Passover and it became the Lord's Supper. Around here, a new work we like to say, if you belong to the Lord, then you belong at the table. So if you're here today and you're a believer, uh, you are in the family of faith, we ask that you participate with us. Uh, and so if you have your elements, go ahead and take those out. And first, take out that bread. 
Jesus told us that this bread right here represents his body, which was broken for us. And the Bible tells us that he took that bread and he broke it and gave thanks. So let's thank him for what he has done for us. Would you pray with me? Jesus, we are so thankful for you to be the bread that you have given yourself for us, that you have been broken because we need it. We need your grace and your forgiveness. Amen. Jesus said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And then the Bible says that he shared the cup. So open up your element as we give thanks to God again. Jesus, we thank you for being the blood that gives us life. We thank you for being the blood that washes us white because we need it. We need it. We thank you. Amen. And Jesus said, this cup is the covenant between God and his people. An agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink of it. And after they shared the supper that night, after Jesus and the disciples did that, they sang a song and they went out. So let me invite you to stand together as we sing in celebration. For even this supper brings us one step closer to that final table where we'll gather with all the saints when God brings us home. So let's join our voices with all of theirs and sing.